Good morning. Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland is our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, how are things over there? You know, they're really, uh, really good. It's a, it's a beautiful, uh, fall is a beautiful time of year, and I know a lot of folks don't get real excited maybe about uh, raking leaves and that sort of thing, but uh, boy, they're beautiful uh, when they're on the ground, and just uh, think back when we were kids, uh, you'd get the dog and you'd run from one leaf pile to another as soon as your parents had got it kind of piled up, and you'd just jump in it and flop around for a while, and Nobody was happier than the than the family cattle dog who just thought that was when next to chasing cows jumping in leaf piles was about the epitome of enjoyment for that wonderful dogs that we are those wonderful dogs that we had and uh, so I think we should just uh, get that and I know it's pledge time, so please help us keep doing this. It's like when the whole family has to go rake leaves and pick <laughs> up fallen sticks in the yard. And the sooner we all pitch in and get it done, the easier it is for all of us. And the happier that family dog, well, it probably won't be too happy. But, you know, as long as you get them raked into piles, that's the main thing. Right. So, uh uh, KMSU does a lot of wonderful things, and it's uh, it's nice of you all to uh, join in and help make that possible. Because without all you good folks, I know it would not be possible. And Al, I know I a lot of folks listen yeah. for for you, Al Bat. And so, if if you are a big Al Bat fan, why don't you pledge now? Show your support of the Al Bat Show. Al's been a volunteer for over I want to say over thirty five years, and I'm probably right. So if you support this show. Pledge now. The number is 507-389-5678. Let us know you love Al. All right, Al, there. I did my spiel for your show because I know a lot of people do love listening to your show. And I have enjoyed being a part of it for the last 15 plus years. So you become a good friend and a faithful, faithful volunteer for KMSU. And we want to thank you, too, for your efforts. You're awfully nice to say that, and I am a big fan of Al Bat. Most of the time, sometimes <laughs> he really ticks me off. You right. know, there are those days where you just say, man, what an idiot. <laughs> I do want to thank, uh, before I forget, the Sons of Norway uh, in Austin, uh, just a wonderful group, and Serene, which is South Southeast Retired educators association of minnesota i I think i'm pretty close on that and to the uh, freeborn county historical society and museum at one of their gatherings and uh, all of them were just wonderful groups and uh, had a great time um blabbing to all of them and i appreciate the opportunity to bloviate at any time al are you are you norwegian so they invited you do you have to be norwegian or are you you know, the president is a German. Oh, wow. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. That's probably how I got invited. My grandpa came from Germany. I am not Norwegian, but I've not had the DNA test, so mm. you don't know because uh, those Vikings got around, uh, sure. whether they were uh, you know, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, wherever they came from. They were... Um, they were busy, so you just don't know. So, But I am Norwegian by marriage only, uh-huh. which is uh, a great way to be, too. 
when you're driving around today, uh, take a look. You'll see uh, probably some long, twisting flocks of mixed blackbirds. They'll be mainly oh. common grackles and red-winged blackbirds, and they're drifting southward in migration. And in my yard and in a lot of other yards, you'll see robins and cedar waxwings feeding on the berries of mountain ash, dogwoods, viburnums. Uh, white-tailed deer bucks are in rut. They begin, oh, most of us around here, and most of them begin in mid-October, and they start sparring with small trees and other males, of course, but they practice on trees a lot. They scrape the ground to declare territory, and they make their presence known to does that they're available for breeding in November. And as plants brown... Uh, you'll see the deer will be seeking vegetation in open areas. So a lot of the corn is uh, gone, so you just see a lot more deer, and, of course, I'm seeing more uh, dead on the road. I was telling one of the groups that I spoke to that I had fewer fireflies in my yard this year. You know, there's markers for every year. One of those for mine was... I just had fewer of them, and somebody asked why, and I said, well, lightning bugs need a moist environment. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't like that word, moist. It just gives shudders to some <laughs> people whenever you say moist, so I'm going to say it several times. But a uh, moist environment <laughs> to thrive, so dry conditions impact their populations uh, negatively. Firefly numbers are declining in some areas due to you know, you know, the typical things that we hear about, habitat loss and toxic chemicals, but also because of light pollution. Really? And Yeah, it disrupts their communication. So oh. just think if you're a poor, uh, you know, you're a male lightning bug out here, and you're just blinking your lights trying to attract a female, <laughs> and she can't see you because the lights are too bright. So you just finally you just think you're a loser and just kind of oh. <laughs> toddle off somewhere. So it does disrupt their communication. The lightning bugs, though, they are the good guys, right? They don't harm anything. They are the very good guys. So And plus, they delight us. It's just, you know, what kid hasn't been out roaming around and seeing these little Little lights fly through the sky and think they're maybe uh, it's Peter Pan and uh, <laughs> some from uh, who knows what uh, sci-fi book or movies out there. There's always something flying around like Tinkerbell. So it's just uh, really cool to see those. And uh, a lot got the privilege of doing like I did, put them in a jar and put them in your room. And as soon as you fell asleep, my mom would go yeah. take them outside and let them all go. But what do they it eat? Was just, uh, probably in the adult stage, I would say pretty much nothing. Oh, yeah, they sad. Ha- they have one thing in mind, and it doesn't involve food. They're out there, and that's why they need that uh, light pollution to be cut back so they can uh, they can find that uh, special someone. But they, uh, they don't uh, really eat a whole lot. They're larvae. They eat snails and worms Ooh, I and want more. slugs. <laughs> yeah, they eat slugs. And I would say the adults, there are some, I should say there are some adult uh, certain species that eat other fireflies. Oh. But I think the guys we got here, a lot of them don't eat at all. If they do eat anything, it'd be nectar or pollen. So they're just out there uh, 
just to keep their strength up, I suppose they need a little something. Now, Al, where do these uh, all go in the winter? Because, you know, you think about the fireflies and all the different bugs and things. Where are they all hiding? I assume that they're not all flying south like, like the monarchs do, but where do a lot of the, our other bugs and things stay? Yeah, and uh, the fireflies, they can, uh, I guess we would call it hibernation. They do it during the lar- in their larval oh. stage. So, uh, and I think some species, I don't know about all the Minnesota ones, but some of them will be in the larval stage for a couple of years. Really? Uh, they'll maybe burrow underground, they'll find places under bark of trees, and then they emerge in the spring. And again, the larval stage, it, they're specialized predators. So again, they will feed on other larvae, uh, snails and slugs, so they're just good guys to have around. But yeah, if you're an insect out there and you're looking at the farmer's almanac or maybe you're listening <laughs> to the crack meteorologist on Channel 12 and you just say, oh, it's going to get cold. And when you, they're checking the temperature because insect activity rate is driven by temperature. So they're much busier at above 50 degrees than below 50. And we see that all year. When it gets a little cool, the mornings are cool, things pretty quiet down. A uh, frost definitely quiets insects, and many die when that cold hits. But some migrate, and we're aware of the monarch butterfly, but also the green darner dragonfly, this beautiful large dragonfly, it migrates. And many insects enter diapause, and that's a period of suspended or arrested development during an insect's life cycle when they spend a prolonged period in a single developmental stage, hmm. some overwinter as larvae, as we've uh, talked about the uh, lightning bugs here, or fireflies. The woolly bear caterpillar would be another one that would come readily to mind. It's freeze-tolerant. Uh, other larvae, oh, I, I, goldenrod gulls. We walk along, we mm-hmm. see those big lump on the goldenrod gulls. There's larvae inside there, and that's how they spend the winter. Others spend the winter as nymphs, so that'd be dragonflies in ponds and streams. They do that. Uh, many moth and butterfly species, they'll spend the coldest season as pupae. And uh, what did I see? Somebody... Somebody said you should say pupae, hmm. and I always grew up saying pupae, but he said no. In the United States, we say pupae. Well, I thought it was pupae, so obviously it's some one one of those variations. <laughs> it's the plural, uh, plural, plural of pupa, whatever they are. So uh, crickets, grasshoppers, corn rootworms, one of the farmer's uh, chief nemesis, uh, they winter as eggs. Uh, ants and honeybees, they stay somewhat active in their homes, although I'm, sh- I'm sure they're watching more TV than they should while they're in there in the wintertime because so, they got the time now. They aren't, they aren't as busy as bees. How do they not um, freeze to death? Uh, they usually get, uh, and they do, uh, you talk to beekeepers and very often they lose lose their population they have to buy bees and i think most of them probably bring bees in some of them though haul their south somewhere Mm. where it's warm ants they get down in the ground so they're down there uh, where they can stay all right 
I'm sure they suffer population losses during uh, winter because, boy, winter is just so pervasive some years. Uh, we see the first butterfly I see every year is kind of this brownish. It's a dark brown that when you first see it, it looks it looks black to a lot of folks' eyes. And they're called morning cloak butterflies, and they hibernate in the adult form. Our friends, the box elder bugs, the multicolored Asian lady be- beetles, and others find hidey holes. Yeah, in our houses uh, sometimes. Hidey- <laughs> yes, boy, they love crevices in buildings where they can get in, but they also, we will find a lot of our uh, native lady beetles, what we refer to as ladybugs. A lot of people call them red ladybugs. Uh, they will get into tree bark, uh, Leaves. A lot of times when you're moving leaves around in the late winter, early spring, you'll see a lot of them in there. And then sunny, warm winter days will bring out snow fleas and crane flies. And crane flies are this mysterious creature that each year you'll hear somebody say, I saw a mosquito in March. It was gigantic. It was like, it must have been on steroids. These are uh, usually crane flies, and they do look like an oversized mosquito. And it's really neat to see them because those sunny, warm winter days mean that we're going to have sunny, warm spring days before very long. Snow fleas are the ones that are on the base of a tree. Uh, They look like pepper flakes jumping around on the snow, and it's really cool to see them. And uh, I think some people I've talked to still don't believe there's such a thing as a snow flea because they just think that's something that people make up just to get the rube, get him excited about something. Well, what do they eat and what do they do? Are they bad or good? No, they're good, too. They're eating their springtails and they're eating uh, leaf litter primarily probably down in there so they just they're really neat things to see and i make a i make a you know i'm willing to put in a lot of days just to see them the first time and we start getting some some nice weather like that and it makes my day when i can walk out and come back in and tell my long-suffering bride that I saw snow fleas, and she gives me that smile like, you know, the poor old fool, it just keeps him happy. But they do, they're down there eating decaying organic materials, and around here it'd be leaves are the biggest thing. So it's really neat to see them. I hope everybody gets to see them, but I hope it's... uh, not for quite a while yet. I know they say get... it's important to leave some, you know, we're all raking our leaves now, but there, it is important to leave some leaf litter on your lawn or maybe in a pile or something somewhere to help some of these insects out. And so I always, you know, have little areas that I have with either twigs or wood or, or leaves or something. Um, I do mulch a lot of it, but uh, I do leave some because it's good for the, the insects. And we do the same. We mulch a lot of it and I try to, leave some out there just scattered around pretty good and i i live out in the middle of nowhere so you know nobody's gonna uh, bug me much at what i do otherwise it'd be in the mankato free press like the <laughs> gentleman was from right. north mankato the neighbors would be saying so we just yeah. can't believe it. it's like a jungle over there well that'd be my <laughs> place but that's why i live out here so nobody can um rita granson saw seven Horned Grebes, and that's on Clear Lake, uh, 
off of the state park down there. And she also had two black scoters. So those are, uh, black scoters are really great to see. Oh, Nye Center's having their 13th annual fall fling at the Revival on Maine in Montgomery. The speaker will be Beth Dooley. She's an author of numerous cookbooks. If you'd like more information, it'll be uh, nycenter.org. And like a moron, I did not write down the date, but it's in November, and you can find it out, and I hope you'll be able to get over there. I have attended some, and they're great fun. Uh, On October 22nd, I got this from somebody with two question marks, uh, so I don't know the name. Uh, I had an adult American goldfinch feeding two full-grown baby goldfinches on my deck. All three birds were already wearing their winter plumage, so if not for the begging feeding behavior, I wouldn't have realized that two of them were young birds. Mm. I know goldfinches are among the latest breeders, but late October seems late even for goldfinches. Yeah, I I guess I see some of them uh, pretty late every year, but you're right. It just makes life a little a little more uh, entertaining, exciting for them. Uh, Tim Scott sent me something from Live Science, and it says, like, "Oh, they were talking about this guy caught a uh, a catfish. It was a bright yellow catfish, and they said it was like an enormous writhing banana with gills." <laughs> And it flopped out of the water and into his boat. And he is a professional angler out of a lake in the Netherlands. And he said he caught many catfish in his life, but none like this. He panicked at first. And the lemon-zested catfish is likely has leukism, which is a rare oh. genetic disorder that causes a reduction of pigmentation in skin and hair. And it's unlike albinism a similar genetic disorder, leukism does not affect the animal's eyes, and we do see it in birds, and uh, oh, you see it in deer, like piebald deer. Uh, Alex Watson, he uh, Alex is from Hanska. I've known Alex for a long, long time. Great guy, works for the DNR. He saw a red fellow rope and a Ross's goose in Brown County. Bob Williams had a common golden eye in Nicollet County, Someone asked, why do we use the words birdie and eagle in golf? Uh, That's a pretty easy one for me to answer. I do not use those words in golf. Uh, (laughs) I'm being a golfer. But it is good. Why would you call something a a birdie? I know a birdie is a score of one under par. And there was, I know there was slang at one time when you'd say something, that was a bird, meaning something was excellent. And I looked this up. It said birdie originated when a fellow by the name of Ab Smith described a bird of a golf shot in 1899, and it just morphed into being called a birdie. Hmm. And the term eagle, I would imagine that extended the theme being two under par. What would be better than just a bird? Well, an eagle. So that's how that came about. What about the bogey? Uh, Isn't there something called the bogey? Like the bogey? Yeah. I have no idea what that means. I think it's, uh, I, I better not even say. I don't know. I, I've i golfed once in my life, did it for Me like too. three days in a row, and got all those holes in one and just said, I need something <laughs> more challenging than that. So I moved on, but yeah. uh, more power for the good folks that love to golf. But I don't know what that is. Okay. Uh, this is from Ralph. 
says, Al, what's your favorite bird? Oh, gosh, I hope I'm not offending other birds. I like them all, but the chickadee is my fave. You know, the birder, uh, we should say, well, whatever bird I'm looking at. But I love chickadees. All seven chickadee species that regularly occur in North America. See if I can get them all. Carolina, black-capped, boreal, mountain, chestnut-backed, Mexican, and gray-headed chickadees are my favorites. Do we have uh, mostly the, the black-capped ones here? We do. Okay. And you get up north, uh, you'll see boreals, okay. too. So those are the two Minnesota ones. I see a lot of chestnut-backed in Alaska when I'm up there. And when I was in uh, Colorado here a little while ago, I saw a number of mountain chickadees, and they're all just lovely. I'm just so happy they choose to spend a little bit of time with me. I just, uh, I, they just thrill me, no matter how many times I see them. Uh, my last question here is somebody said, how can I stop birds from flying into windows, into my windows and injuring themselves? Birds crash into windows because they see reflections of vegetation or they see potted plants or vegetation on the other side of glass. I read a column somebody had written where they were having trouble with birds flying into the windows, so they put a bunch of potted plants up by the window and uh, hoping that would stop them. Well, no, it just does the exact opposite because mm. then they think that's a, a jungle on the other side. If you go outside and look at your windows, if you can see trees or sky reflected or indoor plants visible through the glass, that's what the birds see. And there's uh, the American Bird Conservancy has a, uh, one of their arms is the Bird Collisions Program. And they offer a number of suggestions. I'll rattle through some fairly simple ones here. Uh, you can... The window's outside. You can put soap or tempera paint on it using either a grid pattern. You want it no more than two inches apart across the entire window. Or get creative. You can paint patterns or artwork. You can put decals, stickers, flycatchers, mylar strips, masking tape. You could even use sticky notes. The neighbors would talk about you then. Uh, on the, as long as you do it on the outside surface. And these are most effective, again, when they're closely spaced. Otherwise, the birds will think they can fly between them. Oh. I see a lot of places, even Nature Center, that will have a hawk silhouette here and another one over here. They do little, if anything, to deter birds. Uh, in, you could put mosquito net screens over the windows. They're effective as long as they're on the outside again and cover the entire surface. You can uh, cover the outside of the glass with netting, but you still want it like three inches from the glass, so it's going to take a little extra doing there. And you want it taut enough so when the birds hit it, they bounce off like it's a trampoline. And you want small mesh netting, and that'd be best so the birds don't become entangled. Uh, One-way transparent film, that permits us to see out but makes the window opaque from the outside. And lastly, if you find a bird daze from a window collision and it, it's holding its wings properly, not dangling them or drooping them, and the eyes look normal, see if it can perch on a branch unassisted. If so, let it recover on its own. If the bird has a noticeable injury, get it to a wildlife rehab as 
quickly as possible because broken bones need proper attention to heal properly without surgery. Otherwise, place it in a dark container such as a shoe box and put it in a quiet place away from pets for 15 minutes. Do not give it food or water. I know we always want to give it something. Uh, the darkness calms the bird. Open the box outside maybe every 15 minutes. If the bird flies off, it's a good thing. If it doesn't recover in a couple of hours, again, get it to a wildlife rehab center if you can. Sadly, birds often die from internal bleeding and bruising even when they've flown away. So, But uh, you're giving them a chance. I want to thank everybody. Thank you for your generosity, KMSU. You uh, make a lot of great things possible. And, uh, you know, if you, um, if you donate, you can just stride the earth with that feeling that you've done something good. So thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with us. When every garbage can is pumpkin spiced like it is now, I think of little things. If something bites me and there's nothing there, it's either because my wife is sticking pins into that voodoo doll <laughs> image of me again, or I've been bitten by a noceum. Now, many insects share that nickname, but this is my noceum. They're minuscule insects. They're called minute pirate bugs, and they bite way out of their weight class. If no CMs were the size of mosquitoes, I'd have been a goner a long time ago. Remember, folks, heartless well worth driving past. Thanks for listening. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And thank you once again for your support of KMSU. Well, thank you, Al. It's always great to have you on and chat with you about the birds. We'll be back again next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Karen, for your wonderful company. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.